Welcome to The Nest Show, the podcast that brings you insights into the crypto market, trading and investment experiences, and what we're looking forward to as we navigate the space together. Before we get started with the show, I want to thank our friends and sponsors over at PrimeXPT, where many of our listeners have already signed up to trade by visiting theburbnest.com slash PrimeXPT. PrimeXPT is the most powerful trading platform offering immediate access to over 30 assets. Users may trade cryptocurrencies, Forex, commodities, stock indices, and much more, all from a single Bitcoin-settled account. Ferrum Network is an interoperable DeFi ecosystem offering token presales, staking as a service, project incubation, and much more. Visit theburpness.com slash ferrum. And now for the show. What The Nest Show is. This is a podcast brought to you by the Burb Nest community, an independent crypto and Forex-centered trading community built to sharpen each other in capturing opportunities in the markets while protecting capital along the way. What this is not, trading advice. We are not financial advisors, and you should not regard any information here or in the Nest Club as financial advice. You should always consult a licensed financial advisor before making any financial decisions. Hey guys, welcome to the Nest Show. This is Aperture, and today I'm joined by Jim. And Jim is the famous cat from Twitter, and he's one of my favorite traders. I think he is a master scalper and is also a great altcoin trader, although he doesn't share too much of that. So hopefully we'll get some insights on his trading in this uh, Nest Show. Hey Jim, how are you doing? Hey man, yeah, I'm doing good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Uh, should be fun. Never really done anything like this before, so bear with me. But hopefully, I can share some some good insights. Hopefully, <laughs> I'm sure we'll be fine. Could you uh, tell us a little bit on how you started with trading and how you uh, developed your trading style? Sure. So I initially started as a as a noob, like three years ago. I kind of bought Bitcoin with the perception that it would only go up <laughs> um, and ended up getting wrecked pretty much. Um, so then I decided to sort of take a, take it more seriously and, and learn more about how the market moves, um, it, you know, just to get me out of that mindset, being a retail uh, trader, basically. Um, and start from there, I used to, I started as a swing trader, but I'd try and just capture the big moves, but then, Recently, I've sort of refined that into real low time frames uh, scalping. The, the big epiphany for me was was switching to like a momentum based strategy. Really, yeah, be up for talking about that if if you're interested. Yeah, of of course we're interested. Um, <laughs> like, and could you tell um, maybe? Like, where did you learn this? Um, did you learn it through YouTube or purely experience? Uh, so a bit of, yeah. So I, I initially, I actually sort of watched some of Cred's videos initially. Because um, I thought he, he does such a good job of breaking down, like, the, the jargon that kind of uh, I found quite off-putting when I first came into the markets. It's just kind of, it seems as though it's, made to seem more complicated than it is. Um, so I, I used sort of creds videos on RSI and just market, um, what do you call it, structure. They were very, very beneficial. But then I, I, find, I found that the best learning is is just in screen time. Um, and I would just watch very, I, I prefer watching low time frames. I, I tend to watch 
low time frame, so hours and hours and hours when I first started, just to get a, an idea of how the market moves, really. From there, there's a great guy on YouTube, uh, Brian Watts' his name, um, and he used to post a lot of educational content about uh, sort of mean reversion and momentum strategies. And I kind of, that's where the big shift came for me. That guy's brilliant. I'd recommend his videos for sure. Cool. Yeah. And I, I like from a personal experience, I think I, I did the same. Like I Googled the stuff I didn't understand. But at first, it was all very scary um, because there is money uh, on the line. And yeah. I started small, but um, there's also like the whole ecosystem, like why am I investing or buying and how do I interact with an exchange? And then there is like the charting aspect, like when is a good moment to buy or sell? Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a bit much, but eventually just through that screen time, getting to know the market, studying the market, you'll get a feeling for it. And um, I, I think that's where your edge eventually comes from because, you know, during these bull market conditions, um, you'll just have more experience and you're just not buying a project because it looks shiny and has a new website or promises you something. You all also look at the chart and, and can judge when it's a good moment to buy. I find for the newer trade, no, not even for the newer trade, I think, most people would would benefit greatly from back, more back testing and and having, you know, perhaps three setups that you trade religiously. Um, and if you if you learn to execute those three strategies well, um, and just wait for them to come, I, I find yeah. that the way to go. Um, yeah, because you you already mentioned a um, trend following strategy or a momentum strategy, actually. Um, and I also know you also trade these uh, mean reversion strategies. Could you tell us a little bit uh, more about those basic principles or share a little bit more about that? Sure. Um, so as far as trend, trend uh, following goes, I, I tend to see people uh, overcomplicate it quite a lot. Um, my my favorite. I'm going to give this away for free as well because it's so simple. <laughs> my my favorite momentum strategy, um, as far as a higher time frame, is if you look back to sort of June of last year on ETH. If you, if you'd have bought ETH every time we went to around thirty on the RSI, you'd 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 be in profit. You'd, you wouldn't be in any drawdown. And that's just basic, basically, and it's just as simple as every time the RSI resets to 30, if we're in an uptrend, hypothetically, it's going to be a higher low every time. So you don't even need to look at price in that sense. You just, um, you're just buying on the momentum resets. Um, you know? And that's how simple it can be in these, in these trending markets. Um, I think people yeah. get too focused on bottom entries and getting the perfect entry. But actually, if you just get close to a good entry from using a momentum reset, if you give it a few days, you'll be, you know, you'll be out of any potential drawdown. Um, yeah. And I think that only comes from that experience of backtesting and studying the chart. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think new traders are often afraid of getting stopped out. Uh, but with some knowledge in these markets by holding spot and knowing you're in a bull market uh, and knowing that 
you know, the possible drawdowns of a strategy, um, you won't get stopped out. And I think that's what, what I see in the current market, that people just jump in with too much leverage, get liquidated. And, yeah. you know, um, because they don't know how to size that position correctly and yeah. how to handle a drawdown. Yeah, there. no, I totally agree. And for me, uh, like one of the big sort of biggest um, practices for me that helped me now and was, was just journaling. Um, you know, Mag Trader Magus on Twitter. Um, yeah. He's been a big mentor of mine and he really got me to journal. So I, I knew the expect, you know, I, I, I would jot down every trade and I'd, I'd know the sort of expectancy of that trade setup to where I had, you know, more confidence in, in, in entering position in the first place and i think people just don't have enough data on 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 their actual trade success yeah personally yeah i don't know if you journal do you like do you keep a journal i um i did actually like i i've done it religiously for every trade i did and uh, noted down like every stop loss and every take profit whether it got hit or um, I even went back to these trades one month later to see how the market reacted. Um, yeah. But but eventually, I I truly understood what my shortcomings were, mm -hmm. and um, I my strategies became better because of that. I improved them, and now I religiously trade those strategies yeah. uh, or the the principles behind the strategies and. Um, I, I think I'll, I'll do the jur journaling more internally uh, because I'm already used to that process. Yeah. Um, but I, I often, you know, just put some leave the, the, the uh, stop losses and targets in a chart because when I visit them later, I'll see it and I'll remember the the initial ID and the plan. Um, uh, so I actually stopped doing it just mainly because it, it takes a lot of time and I already had the experience. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes I referred back to some trades in the chart uh, to see how I would have uh, performed. Nice. Uh, but I think I think it's good advice for all traders. Um, some still, you know, even if they trade for 10 years, still journal. Uh, but I think especially in the beginning, it's the best thing to do understand your own emotions understand your actions yeah uh, because that's how you can improve yeah no i agree because I, I tend to find that it's it's the human error human input that is usually the mistake the market doesn't tend to make many mistakes no <laughs> you know it's like it genuinely like i think that's the hardest battle i actually think predicting price is is the easiest part of trading but then actually executing your plan is i think that's uh, a little bit what i personally experience now that um i i've traded this you know since the bottom and uh, made a lot of uh, good trades and um, grew my account with the whole bull market mm -hmm. and right now it, I'm, I'm looking at balances that are um you know a balance that would have been my goal for the end of this year, but I already, uh, you know, after two months, I already had that one. Yeah. And that's where it gets a little bit scary. You know, that's where it, you need to realize, just go back to that process and focus on that process and what you're doing. 
Yeah. And don't focus on the balance because that's, I think, where, where most people get scared, where there's money on the line and they see a loss. While that loss is perfectly maybe acceptable uh, yeah. within your account. Um, but I'm, I'm not sure how did you, do you overcome such challenges like having uh, a lot of wins um, after each other or growing your account? Yeah, so... Um... So two of my biggest weaknesses are um, I'll tend to have like a a reset of my ego once every maybe three or four weeks where I'll go on these like really good scalping runs. And then and then I'll start kind of not, I don't know, counter trading my system almost because I feel as though my my knowledge is it's like yeah my ego tricks me into thinking i know better than my system <laughs> and i start <laughs> i'll start countering my system and then i'll take losses and then that'll be the reset i need to sort of go back to basics um yeah and also another challenge i have i'm not sure if this is you agree with this but um i have a hard time if i have a, a, a like sort of abnormally good week i tend to take my foot off the pedal um when actually you should probably keep going. Um, yeah. But yeah, I get a bit complacent, a bit lazy sometimes. Um, so, yeah, but yeah. as far as um, overcoming them, I'm trying to think. I suppose I still don't overcome them, but I'm aware of them to the point of where I can tell when they're creeping in. I think that's probably, I think self-awareness is the key. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with that because I, I, I understand both situations, uh, especially the first one where I have a good run and I almost get euphoric and, and get the yeah. feeling I can fully read the markets. Yeah. Uh, that's that's often that like it, almost instantly, like one or two days later, the market totally turns against me and that's where I uh, get a reality check. And yeah. I, I give... Actually, too much back. I'm I'm still at a profit, and uh, after I, I think that happened like twice in this bull market. And uh, right now, when I I get that feeling and that's that early detection of your emotions, and I think that's why journaling helps, or yeah. you know, um, looking back at these trades helps. Uh, is you know you recognize it a little bit quicker, and if you can recognize it a day quicker. It can be a difference in ten percent of your account, and yeah. you know that can be huge in the long run. It really um, can. It really can. Yeah. Like and, uh, then, a big mistake that used to creep in for me was um, entering too early and then being stuck in drawdown for, you know, longer than I, I should be. Um, you know, it may only be like two hours of drawdown, but that's quite a lot for me. Um, okay. So, but there was a pattern. There was a pattern of. Uh, entering too early um so i just you know added let's say 15 minutes onto uh, the time period in which i wanted to enter and it kind of alleviated it so that's why journaling is so so good because it'll, it'll show you the mistakes that you, you're not aware of which is good. yeah so, say more people need to do it so you actually recognize this lower time frame fomo where if you waited a little bit longer, your entry would have been slightly better. Yeah. Um, okay. That's a, that's a good one. I, I recognize that one too, where I see a good setup and I, 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 according to my strategies, it would have been the perfect entry, 
because I got the confirmation, like the, the final signal or checkbox is marked and I can go ahead. But um, I realized that often after that, there was still some volatility. So mm-hmm. I could mark it in and lose, you know, um, and, and have like good entry. But if I scaled some bits below and took that volatility into account, I, I could have had a, a little bit of a better entry, like one or two percent. Yeah. Um, and that that's... It Such makes a big, big difference. difference. You know, if you've got a wider target, it makes a that initial entry, it can make quite a big difference to your unrealized PL for sure. Yeah. And and especially if you're trading a lot, like one or two percent more over a hundred trades is is quite a lot. Yeah, you know, it really is. Yeah. Um, and it's it's those small tweaks you can only do by self-reflection. Uh, yeah. There. So looking at the current bull market. Um, what what stage you you think we're in? Because since last year March, uh, I think crypto has only been going up on a higher time frame. And as if you've studied previous bull markets, you know that eventually it will top, and there will be a lot of traders trapped in positions. At what stage of the market uh, do you think we're in? And what do you think about what's coming for crypto in the next mm. few months? Okay. Uh, so I've been on the fence this week. Initially, initially I had a bit of more of a, not necessarily a bearish outlook, but there was a few, there's been a few uh, warning signals for me to be careful as far as sort of higher time frame divs. Uh, but the more I see a lower time frame unfold, I actually... You know how we've got these divs on like the daily and the three daily. I kind of, I think they're going to get um, invalidated is my gut feeling. I think we're going to have, I think we're on the precipice of a a mega lag actually. Let's talk a little bit about what these divs are because uh, I'm I'm not sure if everybody listening knows uh, what these these divergences, these bearish divergences in the charts are. Uh, Could you tell a little bit more about that? Yeah, this last leg that we had to all-time high, uh, was, it was a bit fishy in the way it panned out to me, honestly. Um, it felt like the, do you remember the BART pattern we had in June here? Yeah. It felt very much like that, like it was just relentless sort of squeeze momentum, uh, and then obviously we sold off. And I kind of, my initial thought was that we were going to play out these uh, divergences, uh, been forming uh and have you know a stronger pullback oh you're just gonna have to deal with my drawings um <laughs> yeah um, that's fine <laughs> but the more i see the lower time frame i'm i'm, I'm actually thinking because these aren't you know for me when we get divs like this uh they're not necessarily showing a weakening trend it's actually could be more indicative of it's taking less strength to push price higher due to lack of sell pressure. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah um, so so now I'm sort of leaning towards us actually blasting off and having a pretty significant leg up, uh, actually. So I'm positioned for that currently. Yeah. Um, so uh, what, what I think of, of these bear divs is that they are often good signals to take some profit and take the foot off the gas um, 
in position wise and maybe skill down a little bit in spot positions until there is a clear confirmation that you know momentum goes up again and i think you've drawn a good trend line there on the rsi um where there is a clear moment when you know where we see that momentum pick up again it's that trend line break it's that break uh, again up from that all-time high but i agree like i've seen um in the last past uh, months that once bitcoin breaks the all-time high on the first try um it often pulls back again and traps some long traders yeah. and that's that's what we've seen i think in the last few days um like in my opinion when when the rsi comes back down to the 50 like this that's kind of that's reset the trend for me uh, you know we've consolidated and then we've yeah. had an, so for me this this was a this was a this was a genuine divergence here which played out to the downside um and now, obviously, we've started another leg, and I've just my my gut is telling me we're we're, we're going to break to the upside, uh, and then, and you know the way that these consolidations are actually panning out, you could argue that you know obviously they're getting smaller. What's to say this isn't done? And and you know this could be this could be the leg this could be the leg to take some profits. I think. Yeah. Um, you know, I I really think we could get up into this. This area here, right, right here, and then maybe have like a, a large correction. That's yeah, that's where I stand on the high time frame. And and why do you? Um, because most traders think uh, after such big divergences happen, because I think you can all also see one on the three day, um, you know, that it could pull back afterwards. Um, it's it's actually. This a similar one, um, but yeah. um, wh- why do you think there is another lag up instead of this going down directly? Um, just from watching low time frame price action, I, 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 I like initially when we rejected from here and we came down, I was thinking we were going to get a further leg down. But the, for me, looking at the order flow. Um, the the amount of absorption that happened in this area here uh, from spot just just tells me that we're going up. Um, it's a very bullish sign. Uh, like I don't I don't think people realise the amount of longs that were unwound in this area. Uh, yeah. Like enough to have pushed price down. You know, another five thousand dollars probably. I would say. Um, yeah. So. But it is still a bull market, and we, we can see that in these outflows from Coinbase, for example, where a big batches of Bitcoin are getting bought up once this mm-hmm. dips, and even on the way down, I think um, around uh, 57K, there were already signals that uh, some players were buying this. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm myself a little bit afraid. I, I played this bounce up because there were a lot of short liquidations above and there was like a gap between that uh, 57 and 59. So it was basically an air pocket that yeah. once the first stop from the shorts would happen, you know, directly the others would, would fall. And 
Um, so it was a good trade for me, but it doesn't give me like confidence directly that this will push through and uh, okay. you know, need to form a, a bottom here, I think. So for yeah, I suppose my so for me this felt very much like a runway clearance move on a weekend, low volume. I think it's cleared the path here, took the liquidity, and then I mean I'm not sure how many billions of dollars in longs unwound here. Like it's incredible, it's incredible how price held it. Honestly, um, it made me extremely bullish to be honest. <laughs> oh wow, yeah, that's a good insight. <laughs> you, you look at these daily candles that you know the wicks on those um because by then binance was so over leveraged on the long side you can't even believe it um yeah wow the the open um, interest there was uh, insanely high yeah just crazy so for me the amount of passive absorption i saw on these lows i, I can't see why they're not going to take it higher honestly like i've been i've been sort of quite pessimistic on twitter i don't know if you've noticed uh, sort of on this this run up, I, I didn't really like what I was seeing, but I'm pretty yeah. <laughs> I've turned like full bull mode again now. <laughs> well, it, it it wasn't a a solid trend there. It was uh, it was just going up without any good pullback, and of course that can happen. But I think this is probably then the higher low uh, mm. if if it's a solemn trend and a solid push upwards. Uh, uh, but yeah, we'll still have to see. I'm I'm still a bit neutral. Um, mm -hmm. the, the choppy conditions uh, from that bottom and the spot outflows actually surprised me a little bit. Um, so I was a little bit scared to go long yesterday, but the setup was just too good. And I, I think you've mentioned that with some other traders in the past that if you're not sweating, uh, when you're buying a dip <laughs> or buying a position, you're not doing it correctly because yeah. otherwise it's way too easy. Um, like uh, this, this dip was the scariest to buy in the whole run for me. Yeah, it just felt like it was gonna go like bad. <laughs> uh, I was just seeing no interest, but obviously it must have been there. But yeah, that was that was a horrible one. I genuinely thought this was just gonna tank, but. Yeah, I, I, I still have a little bit of that feeling left. Um, but yeah, that's that's the, that's the moments, I think, where we just practice some risk management, take the trades and stick to some strategies we have. Yeah. Because I, I offloaded some spots just before that dip happened. So I was already safe. Um, but some of that, that spot or those profits are still on the sideline and waiting for a, a reallocation. And uh, this is purely Bitcoin, but I think uh, it's it's always easier to wait for Bitcoin to pick a direction and then go towards some altcoins uh, because they're lagging and, you know, the money flows from Bitcoin to altcoins. Yeah. Uh, is this something you also look for or um, do you mainly trade Bitcoin? I don't. I, I pretty much never have any leverage positions in altcoins. Uh, they're all spot positions, which I look to compound on dips. Um, but I just noticed the strength in certain alts. So for me, like if I see a big nuke on Bitcoin, I instantly buy sushi um, and maybe some of the Sam coins. Because like relative bounces on, on, on sushi, you know, you're getting like it's not even a good example, but that's you know that's a ten percent bounce. Um whereas Bitcoin's what like three, four, 
Oh, seven percent. Okay, that's kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> not a good example. But in past, like some of these sushi bets feel like twenty odd percent. So, so yeah, I tend to just buy on on, on the Bitcoin nukes for the bounces. Yeah. Uh, you know, honestly, there's really not much sort of brain power goes into my <laughs> trades. They're all very simple. Um, it's it's really a buy the dip mentality. Yeah, like I I I don't know if you saw. I posted this morning on Twitter. Um, like I see this a lot, and I think it's. I don't know. I, I don't like it personally. I'll draw an example. So I kind of see Twitter's looking for for this trade right here. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Confirmation long. Right? Yeah. Wait for a break by yeah. the, the bar. So that's that's five yeah. percent. But if you like even just Uh, let's go on the hourly, actually. That's a good example. Like, in an uptrend, there are side goes below 30 on the one hour with a div. You know, that's a div. Buy here. Just buy that. <laughs> yeah. Buy that. Because the likely, this is where mean reversion comes into play. Because let's put the EMAs on right now. Let's just stick the 100 on, make it dead easy. Yeah. We've gone so far away from the average price and we've put in a div on the hourly. Just take this trade. There you go. Take this trade, put a stop below the low. And you've got your 5% before you've even, you know, you're waiting for confirmation and the RR on this trade is so much worse than just catching the initial bounce. And yeah. you could take half off here and then let the rest ride to here. And then if it flips, you 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 can add that back half back on, and you, you're out of the chop zone because your average entry is you know, let's say down here. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Like this... what, what's your confirmation? What what confirmation are you waiting for? You know, look at this daily chart. There's <laughs> 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 your confirmation. We're going up. <laughs> you know, stop treating every sell like stop treating every buyback as a as a bearish retest. You know, it's insane. Yeah. I think that's also where my mentality after I think the 10k break totally changed, where I realized that these sell-offs and these big downside wicks were just getting rid of the inefficiencies in, in futures and over-leveraged traders yeah. Yeah. and liquidity grabs uh, for that uh, lack up. And that's where I also started to use these RSI divs uh, the bull divs where yeah. from uh, from these lows and i also add a little bit of volume analysis uh, and um you know see where it really deviated from what's normal yeah um i'm not going to go too much too deep into that because it's you know i could talk an hour for the, the, about that but um that that those are the dips to buy, and if 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 you can't get them on a fifteen minute time frame, you'll get stopped out for a few percent. Uh, yeah. You'll you'll look to the one hour, or you'll you'll start to look at four hour. But we haven't had much of those four hour dips, uh, a few of them, and yeah. they were absolutely brilliant. Um, and like you know, this is where journaling is great because if you if you write down every time Bitcoin goes below thirty. Yeah, 
Let's do it. <laughs> you know, you see a pattern <laughs> emerging. <laughs> yeah. You know, just buy it every time, every single time. You know, if you bought here, you've, you know, had to sweat a bit here or here. But if you just trust the trend and buy every time the, 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 the momentum resets, you know, as long as you're not silly with leverage. Um, you know, the time, then this is what I mean. Like, this is such basic stuff, but it's so interesting. Like, even like, you know, you take into account above 70, like we're above 70 here. We're above 70 here. So we're making higher highs. So, you know, if we, we come down on the RSI, put in a lower low, if we come back up and make a higher, a lower high, sorry, then that's a break in trend. Yeah. Yeah, so that's when you change it. But if we keep coming up to 70 and putting in high highs, then the trend is your friend. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I would urge people to literally copy this this chart, you know? I mean, oh, shit. Oh, excuse my language. <laughs> um, you know, 100 EMA and, and the RSI on the one hour. You know? It yeah. doesn't get much easier. Really. And, and, and this is where I think the beauty of, of your trading style and I think the trading style I adopted too in this market comes from. I for, First, I was only a trend trader where I had some conditions where I didn't take trades when it was below a moving average. But mm -hmm. as you can see from the circles you've drawn those are the optimal entries and uh, i think we talked about this on twitter where uh, you can have a mean reversion strategy to catch the optimum entry yeah. um, take some profits you know in case it drops down more when it reverses back yeah um but let some ride because we're in a bull market and assume the trend continues and continues yeah. upward and uh, I, I think your chart the chart you've shown with the circles and, and the RSI here below, I think that's the perfect example of how simple it can be, yeah. uh, but you, also how effective it can be, like combining these two strategies. You definitely, you know, you have to adapt to, to what the market's giving you. And the market's giving you easy trade setups right now. So so just take them. Um there's no point, you know, I see overcomplication a lot. I think it's a big big issue for people. I think they have so much information going around in their head um, that, it, that probably, if, you know, well, it definitely affects their execution, um, you know? Yeah. Like, I look at two things. That's all I look at. Um, so I, I can decide very quickly, do I, do I like what I see here, basically? Am I entering? And, and I tell you what, another interesting thing is if you backtest with small, small size and get used, get comfortable and get used to, to drawdown, you know, if you have this simple moving average and you buy, let's say you buy this dip here and you have to suffer some drawdown, just get used to it and trust that it's going to come back to the mean. Because uh, I, I think a common misconception I see a lot is people treat MAs as support resistance. Um, but they're an average price, you know. If anything, when they when they turn down like this, then it's a you know it's a, a low time frame downtrend. And if, if they're pointing up, it's an uptrend. Um, yeah. And so 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 my 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 as far as trading goes, depending on the environment, 
if we're in a trending environment, use the M8 as an entry. Yeah. And then take profit, maybe, you know, every time it tags here. So, so this is a trend um, trade. Whereas if you're in a mean reversion trade, uh, you want to be entering your trades. So you kind of, yeah, you want to, you, 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 let me try and explain this better. I was trying to explain this to someone the other day and I, like, I'm rubbish. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, in a, in a non-trend, so this is a lovely non-trending environment. And you want to take, these are deviations of a non-trend. Yeah. So, so because I, I see, the mistake I see is people take trending trades all the time, even when we're not trending. So, so you know, that, that uh, that's, that's a nice example. People are probably entering here on a breakout trade and then getting slammed. Um, so instead of longing, you want to be shorting back to the mean in these environments. Um, does that make sense? You know. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is, I think, where um, all these trend trading strategies fail because uh, they get the signal for going long while they're actually not supposed to be traded in a choppy condition or yeah. a rating condition. And, and that's where context is is the most important. And, and probably the, these trending strategies in the market will still be profitable, uh, but they'll just have a drawdown in general on the account during yeah. a period like this. But yeah. you know, it, it, it it's all about optimizing in trading, like spotting what's happening here and what context happens here, so you actually don't pull the trigger on that strategy. And that's yeah. also sometimes the the best uh, strategy, not trading, uh, but You'll have to recognize that. And that's, I think, you'll need a good understanding of context for that. For sure. And I, I mean, I use um, I use a bit of market profile to gauge my levels. Um, but for me, a big, like, a, a, the way of spotting if we're in a range or not for me is, is again, with the RSI. It's about where is, where is the move exhausting itself? here i guess maybe you know if it, it so so this is uh this is the, the resistance that's capping um so here we're getting into you know overbought and it's sweeping the high you know do you really want to be long in a breakout there <laughs> you know <laughs> you want to be like here this is you know it, it's hard to uh it's hard to explain it's hard to explain the difference between how to without showing too much information actually <laughs> okay okay yeah well then then let the reader and <laughs> the listener and viewer find out about it themselves i think because um you've already shown quite a useful strategy here and um i suppose I think, in fact so i'll, I'll give you uh, so so I'm hoping most people have heard of auction market theory. It's an, you know, we, we go through an auctioning process and I'm going to copy basically someone else's <laughs> teaching of this who did it on YouTube. Um, <laughs> so, so we'll put this line. Um, so that's, so, so that's where the most volume has been transacted. Yeah. We can all see that. Um, so that is fair value. Okay. And the, the, the market is going through a process of testing higher and testing lower 
to see if the val the 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 fair value wants to shift. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we tested lower, got reaccepted back into value. Tested higher, got rejected back to value. Tested lower, held higher than this low, and that was the market signal to to break out of this consolidation and auction higher. So now, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll be likely going through a similar auction process here. Um, let's go like here, here, and here. So you can probably likely trade this exactly the same, where this is fair value again. And we'll probably deviate, test higher, test this high, come back. And that's, you know, yeah, having an, a, an understanding of the auction market theory, I think, will help you determine the 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 the, the market conditions. You know. Yeah, I, I think that's also where my trading improved. Where I started to remove like all of the indicators and just drew some support and resistances and looked at where would stops be and where. Yeah would um price deviate because people get stopped out but also where would other players enter because in the game called the market uh which player would benefit the most from from this to happen yeah. and i think that's uh also what's what's useful here by defining a range and and seeing that deviation and knowing what that deviation means in in the game yeah um, that, that's helpful as a trader Definitely. I think I, I saw an explanation for auction market theory on people buying cars and say a dealership's got a load of, let's say, Toyotas and they want to sell them. The, the, the list price is 20K, but a lot of people are buying them at 20K. So they'll put the price up to 30K to test the market and the buyer, the demand will drop. So then they'll try maybe lower to get demand back up. And it's the same thing. Um, yeah. I, I actually read about that yesterday. It's called a Dutch auction where you drop the price um, when the bid doesn't get hit. Eventually yeah. it gets hit and that's where you know the buyer uh, gets the price. Uh, but yeah. the market is actually continuous bidding and selling process. Uh, but it's, uh, I think that, that yeah, I, I still haven't made up my mind about it, but I think that was very valuable information. So I'm going to read more about that. Yeah, for sure. Like for me, I think I, I enjoy the psychology of the markets. You know, there's there's emotions behind all of these candles. You know, that's that's what fascinates me. People's yeah. impulses are driving this. You know, this painting this picture. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's very fascinating. <laughs> yeah. In, indeed, yeah, it's. Um... It's the sum of all emotions and actions playing out. And yeah. I think that's also what I like about this. Yeah. Um, cool. Shall we wrap this up and yeah. go to the your your final thoughts? Like we end sure. the episode always with some final thoughts by our guests. Um, maybe some advice to the listeners. Uh, what would you like to end this episode with? Uh I think main takeaways, know your environment, simplify. You know, if you've got something on your chart that you, you isn't giving you 
a trigger uh, for a trade, then take it off your chart. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I see people with like loads of indicators, and I'm thinking, is that giving you your your entry trigger? Uh, because if not, just get rid of it. Go back to basics and screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time. Just watch price develop, because you'll notice where price gravitates to. Like you're saying, it gravitates to stops, you know, um, this market especially. So yeah, just screen time, simplify, back test, and journal. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and repeat that process over and over again. I yeah. think that's good advice. Thank you, Jim. Um, if the listener wants to uh, know more about you, where can we find you? Uh, just on Twitter, uh, at Jim Talbot. Um, I tend to only post memes, I'm afraid, but hopefully I try and uh, I try and hide slight nuggets of wisdom in there if you sort <laughs> of think hard enough. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I definitely find them useful, and I also love the cat pictures. So if it's only for the cat pictures, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, you'll you'll be uh, you'll be that at the best place uh, for Jim. But I think the um, the value mostly comes from. Uh, the great trading advice there. So Cheers. thank you, Jim, for, for joining us in the Nest Show. And uh, Thanks. Thanks hopefully very much having me. I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, cool. Thanks a lot, man. Globe is a crypto derivatives exchange offering up to 100 times leverage on crypto and DeFi perpetual contracts with Bitcoin collateral. Sign up today at theburpness.com slash globe. How do is the social blockchain powering the decentralized social apps of the future? For more information, visit theburbness.com slash howdo. I'd like to thank our listeners for joining this episode of The Nest Show. If you've appreciated the depth and breadth of what you've heard with us today, subscribe to our podcast and find our landing page at theburbness.com. We have a vibrant Discord community which acts as our central hub of operations, and we welcome you to join us at theburbness.com slash discord. We also offer an extensive free bulletin on emerging crypto market trends, exclusive undervalued gem reports, and in-depth expert technical and fundamental analysis at thebirdnest.com slash bulletin. We always appreciate engagement from our community, which of course means liking the video and subscribing to our page, where we insist on bringing you the highest quality content available. Also, we're happy to incorporate tips and topics from our listeners and encourage you to email us at thenestro at thebirdnest.com. This podcast is brought to you by The Burb Nest. Thank you and trade on.